if we don't do it, Sky will. The Football Podcast. Three friends picking the bones out of the weekend's football. Hello and welcome to episode four of If We Don't Do It, Sky Will, the new football podcast where we look back on the weekend's football from very different perspectives. My name is Alexander Gross. I'm a Tottenham Hotspur fan whose world has been turned upside down in the last week. With me today, as ever, is Nick Gilmer. Hello, Hello. Nick. Hi, Alex. How's it going? Man United fan, fresh from another chastening trip to Old Trafford and with us today again is George, our resident Leeds fan, who's gone three games unbeaten in the league. Yeah. Since our last pod, you've had a lovely new addition to your squad, haven't you, George? Congratulations. Thank you very much. Apologies if I talk more nonsense than usual. A bit sleep deprived. <laughs> I'll do my best. Are you going to be able to register this one outside of the window? <laughs> <laughs> Emergency loan. <laughs> well, great to have you with us, despite this Thank you. tumult. So where do we even start this week? It's been another eventful weekend. For once, we're not going to start with one of our teams because the game of the weekend, unquestionably, was on Sunday afternoon. It must have delighted you, Nick. After your suffering on Saturday, you got to see your big rivals lose down in London. West Ham 3, Liverpool 2. It was exactly the pick-me-up this weekend needed, to be honest. Although it's stretching it to suggest that this season United and Liverpool are rivals. But it's nice to look up and see them dropping points. Yeah, rivals till death do you part, I think, anyway. George, did you catch any of this? Did. One of the best games of the season so far. Absolutely. It had, it had everything as well as a game. And by my reckoning, that's West Ham beating the top four from last season, I think, nearly. Oh, without Chelsea. Then well, didn't. Mark Noble ensured that we got all three <laughs> points of West Ham. I believe that's our last win. That's true, yeah. That was one of their two defeats, both in the last minute or... As in a last-minute defeat to Brentford and a last-minute failure to draw. Uh, I mean, against I mean they beat you in the cup. Yeah, they, they then beat us a few days later. They then really, dumped you out of the cup. Realistically, end our chances of silverware for the season. Shouldn't forget these things, Nick. And all of a sudden, that place has an atmosphere. Yeah, it what did. I'd like to do shocking. for the next few minutes is just completely ignore the Scousers again and talk about West Ham, like when yeah. they beat us 5-0. Because it's unavoidable now. I think West Ham are a proper, decent football team. I suppose the interesting thing will be how they respond to Zuma's injury. I think that's a massive blow for them because he was a hell of a signing. Was it Zuma or Ogbonna who got the oh, ACL Ogbonna. injury? Ogbonna. Right. Yeah, he's done his ACL. And uh, Zuma scored a magnificent header, the third goal. David Moyes, we made fun of him a couple of weeks ago. We always do, I suppose. But it is quite nice to see him ensure that he will not be defined by his stint at Man United, isn't it? Yeah, he's, there's no doubt he's a, he's a very good manager. And I think he's just turned that West Ham team into exactly what his Everton team were when Everton were bothering the top four 10 years ago. You have said that. And my instinct, Nick, is always to think that your analysis is knee-jerk and shallow. But uh, in this case... Sunday sort of proved you right. They really went toe-to-toe with one of the giants of the league and they are so good at set pieces and I can see a lot in that argument every time I watch them now because they're a tough team, aren't they? They're a tough team to face at the moment. It will be interesting to see, though, with that that injury to Ogbonna because if you look at West Ham's... You can name West Ham's starting 11 from the last season and a half now, I think. Yeah. 
every player. I don't think they've. I don't want to say they've been lucky with injuries, but they've certainly not had many serious injuries. And I think he's been one of their key cogs ever since he took over. So it'll be interesting to see if it continues. Craig Dawson will come in now, who I think yeah. we'd all agree is a championship player. Yeah, but was a big part of it last season their success so yeah we'll see but um maybe it's a case of this is Moyes's level of club I'd probably put West Ham and Everton on a similar level although they'd probably dispute that their respective fans but it's not going to be defined by either that or his Real Sociedad's didn't either um yeah. I think it'd be what he's done or Everton. Sunderland yeah. yeah of course I forgot about that one yeah indeed yeah but yeah doing a brilliant job and, and I don't know what can stop them from Gate crashing the top four now, form they're in. And uh, Nick, you said you wanted to ignore the Scousers, but uh, Alison Blunderland. Oh yeah, I mean he's, uh, I mean he's not bad in the box going the other way. Last year he got that that goal, kept them in the top four, I think. But um, yeah, he should have done better on three goals. Did either of you think that was a foul for the first one? No, nope, no, nope, not at all. I'm I'm surprised it was even debated <laughs> yeah. as much as it was. There was no, if anything, it was if he hadn't scored, it could have been a foul on Ogbonna. It was even funnier when they tried to look for handball. They were just looking for something, <laughs> looking for a reason not to give that goal. And there was there was nothing in it. I'd like to take a little bit of credit for the uh, the West Ham win this week because, of course, this was the first week where I brought Allison into my fantasy team. <laughs> yeah, you're just trying to uh, stop the rot. Yeah, was that minus points? Was it? It was. Yeah, a, a nice juicy minus one for the Liverpool keeper. And even Salah failed to rack up many points this week. Yeah. But uh, did any of you see goal of the month on match of the day too? There were two from Salah, two from Tielemans. Yeah, I'm torn. I, I do love a good rocket like Tielemans. Yeah. Is that the way, way at Brentford, right? Manchester United, one of them. Yeah, because one at Brentford was the one for me. But Salah's against Watford was hard to ignore. It's Messi-esque, wasn't it? It was fantastic. And against Man City, also a brilliant uh, virtuoso goal. So West Ham are now a point ahead of Liverpool. Everyone's played 11 games. West Ham 23, Liverpool 22. That was Liverpool's first defeat, obviously prompting the usual tiresome celebrations in North London. I saw that. Yeah, I wondered if you'd mention that. Yeah, well, I just it's, <laughs> it's such a bore. But uh, Liverpool's first defeat, but they've now had four draws, looking at where these big three teams that we all expect to end up at the top of the league, Chelsea, Man City and Liverpool, I still fancy that Chelsea are probably the strongest team there, although, as we will discuss, they drop points as well this weekend. What do you make of Liverpool when you see them in a game like this? It's just I think they've got very obvious weaknesses that West Ham clearly exploited. It's just being physical with them, yeah. for one. I, I don't see the same solidity at the back, even with Van Dijk back, which is obviously their biggest excuse from last season. But I don't feel like that solidity has returned. I still find it baffling that Matip gets in this team over Gomez, but... Yeah, it's it's. I don't think it's a team that that frightens people like it did in no. their league title winning season. It certainly didn't frighten West Ham. No, obviously it frightened us when they beat us three 0 But I don't. I don't think they're. I don't think they're near Chelsea's level. I think Chelsea are, despite dropping points, I think they yeah. uh, they're the most complete team at this moment in time. They dropped points, but they had one of those days with twenty five mm. shots. Yeah, so, yeah. You, could, you could see it coming. Uh, uh, the the amount of chances you yeah. just you just saw it coming. It was Burnley's second attack or something like that the whole game. Um, I've, I've seen that exact profile of game many many times in my mm-hmm. life. So George up at Elland Road, you're now three games without defeat, and you're yes. in fifteenth place. Yeah, Leeds fans will tell you that was our favourite position in the Championship. So it's uh, it's nice to be in familiar territory. We'll <laughs> But fewer places below you in this league. Indeed, yeah, yeah. No, one defeat in five. It's um, it's yeah. feeling feeling better 
And another goal from Rafinha. Another cheeky another. goal. Oh, yeah, yeah, he is. We are really, really going to have to dig our heels in with him or get the biggest fee imaginable. But yeah, it's all going in the right direction, albeit not winning these games. But I, I would have taken a draw before kickoff against Leicester. Leicester is so unpredictable at the moment in time. They're so inconsistent. When I saw their team sheet, I thought we could real, really struggle. But by all accounts, dominated the first half. Just couldn't find that that second goal. If anyone who's seen the highlights would see Harrison missing from under the An crossbar. extraordinary miss. It wasn't That's even close. To you last week where you, uh, you put the hex on him. Yes, I did. Although, by all accounts, much more like his self from last season, which is which is good to hear. And, and Daniel James putting in the first performance that even remotely resembles his, his price tag, which is good to see. Playing through the middle, which he actually does for Wales quite effectively so um that that's also good to see but a very silly equalizer to concede yeah now this was mentioned on match of the day wasn't it uh it was a great goal from harvey barnes but they showed rafinha pointing to his head pointing to his temples uh he had just scored of course so it's understandable that he was frustrated that that lead was already wiped out straight from kickoff but as they mentioned on Match of the Day, I didn't really feel that was the defender's fault as such uh, because the, it was just a magnificent finish and there wasn't much you could do about it. So you're not, you're not blaming Melier for this one then? No. <laughs> um, I thought a taller keeper would have reached it, but uh, even he's I can't blame seven. him for his anatomy. <laughs> he's not six foot seven. No, he's not. Absolute lies. <laughs> but yeah, like I said, a, a good point. And... We have a truly horrific December coming up, so I, I really hope after the break we can get some wins on the board because we. Well, we all know where uh, you're going. Yes, we'll come to that. But just to, sorry, just touch on our December after Brentford at home, which should be a three points given their current form. We have Chelsea, Man City, Arsenal, and then Liverpool in December. So it would do us good to get some points on the board at the end of this month, starting with our next game away at Tottenham. Right. I, I love how we're just not included on that list of hard games. It's not in December. <laughs> Antonio Conte's first home game, first home uh, league game at it's least. It's inevitable. It's inevitable what's going to happen. Just another small note. Is Brendan Rodgers in trouble? Yeah, interesting that, because he's linked with all the big jobs, but also yeah. no one's actually bothered to look at how Leicester are doing. <laughs> Would you take him, Nick? Absolutely not. And I actually had a row with someone on the tram after <laughs> on Sunday. I had to literally say, we're not getting into this. In is short, this, no, I wouldn't touch him. Is this purely because of his previous employers? or Yeah, I think that counts oh, for okay. a lot. Oh, okay. Um, I think his body of work is a nearly man. He should have had Leicester in the top four. And he's failed. He's failed on numerous occasions where they were in the driving seat going into the last fortnight of the season. Should have won the league with Liverpool. And should have won the league with Liverpool. Yes. Good point. Um, well, Leicester with that squad uh, in 12th, negative two goal difference, 15 points. Just uh, just four points ahead of the likes of Leeds. It's not good enough, is it? <laughs> is, is that the barometer <laughs> these days, is it? No, like I said before, like their team on paper is, is brilliant. It's I'd take their entire squad happily um, and I think there's some of their players that could easily play for, for bigger and better clubs like like Tielemans that we talked about he's a magnificent player Yeah, um, they are in an interesting position because I think you're right George I think they will be getting now to the end of this cycle and players like Tielemans will be fancying a move to one of the absolute heavyweights Madison last, where's Madison gone? well he almost went to Arsenal didn't he in the summer um, yeah yeah very can't get near the England squad anymore either. What's well, the Leicester model, isn't it? They they buy these players. Yeah. Their scouting's fantastic. Um, their bargaining must be fantastic as well. Um, and then sell them for ridiculous prices like Maguire. Um, if they can have him back. <laughs> well, that's a that's a wonderful segue to the Manchester Derby on Saturday. Harry Maguire. <laughs> no, I'm jumping at the bit as you can tell. <laughs> 
Nick, you were there. You must have gone with some trepidation, but of course you had that wonderful win over Tottenham in your back pocket, yeah. and also uh, another uh, roller coaster draw out in Bergamo in midweek. So maybe the mood wasn't too bad ahead of the game but after the game judging by the Sky Studio at least and the likes of Roy Keane and his diatribes it was as sour as it can get wasn't it? Yeah it was just all it felt like the end for Ole and I might have said that in previous weeks but this one really was smelly Um, and actually you asked me about my mood going to the match I thought back Ole more in these games and his record in the Premier League against Pep and against City is pretty good. And actually, I fancied us against a team who didn't play a striker, uh, going through at the back for a bit of solidity. And of that course... That same system that you tried against us and which worked because we are totally inert. Yeah. And I think that really does show just how poor your or Nuno's spurs were. Um, yes. Because City genuinely didn't Yes, break I would a sweat. say this game was a real vindication for Nuno's sacking. Yeah. Yeah. City didn't break a sweat. I mean, it literally, Bailly smashed one in for them and Lindelof tried. I mean, the regression of some of those players is frightening. And I think the most damning thing for Ole was the reaction after the first one. And I don't know if it came across in, on the telly, but Bruno and Maguire chipping in at each other all the way through the match. It and did. There, was, yeah. there wasn't really a, um, a reaction whatsoever. It was just complete. As soon as Bailly scored the end goal, you knew the game was lost. And you could see the players did as well. We didn't really get out of our half. It wasn't a back three. It was a flat back five. And... It all just stank. And I think he's probably only there now because of the death of um, of an alternative. What was the atmosphere actually like inside the ground? So, well, up to the goal, sort of optimistic. United fan, there's a nice new, there's a new singing section um, in the Stratford end. and Unprecedented. Mm, and it, it really works. I, I, every club will have one within the next two years. And they support... I guarantee we won't. I think I think that joke went right over his head, didn't it, George? I meant singing was unprecedented. My apologies, making a monkey out of me. Um, <laughs> yeah, and and actually, I would say Ole's well supported. What was interesting was no one dares turn on Ole because he's such a hero. But it felt like the chance for Donny was the United faithful's way of turning on Ole. Yeah, it, it was the only way they could rebel without being an open rebellion and and needless to say Donny came off the bench and did nothing and it felt like the clamour to get him in the squad was the United Faithful's way of letting Ole be known that he's not always his choices aren't working okay so um we've praised Cavani quite a lot on this pod the last few weeks and he wasn't fit he didn't make it so uh Greenwood was chosen to partner Ronaldo and uh The last thing I want to do on this pod is make it a Messi-Ronaldo debate, which is absolutely hateful. But uh, suffice to say that George George and I are on one side of that eternal debate and you are on the other. And uh, you're a big advocate for Ronaldo as well as a massive fanboy. And uh, I just want to point out, without any comparisons to Messi, uh, I would like to compare Ronaldo's presence and impact to Cavani. Because Gary Neville made the very good point after the game that Cavani seems to be the only player 
that rallies this team and that rallies the group and gets them going. Of course, Ronaldo has done that many, many times already this season in terms of his footballing acts, the goals he scores, the assists he gets. But these are more sort of um, individual footballing actions as opposed to general leadership and passion, which Cavani really exhibits every time he turns up. And he, he, he lifts the spirit and the determination of the team as a whole, as he did uh, away at Spurs, um, mm-hmm. shoddy opposition notwithstanding. But um, Ronaldo just doesn't do that, does he? He, he is famous, among many other things, for um, waving his arms about and complaining when things don't go his way. And the only thing I really take issue with is the way that because of his numbers, his uh, unbelievable goal-scoring record and his numbers, some other aspects about his career have been mythologized and made up to an extent. So, for example, people who say that he led his country to the Euro 2016 title are forgetting that they hardly won a game on their way to the final. And in the final, he was injured early on and was on the sidelines just bellowing and so I like that point that Gary Neville was making anyway did you feel that I mean it's hard with such a bad performance but did you feel that Cavani could have made a positive difference I don't think so in in short I think um, it's fair Ronaldo did not have an impact on the match but then the only people who did were Eric Bailly and uh, and Luke Shaw I, I would say you know I can't even name a memorable performance from City to be honest yeah it was it was, it was a dreadful game well you and, won't have seen that Gary Neville during the second half called their performance general anesthesia yeah it was it was just it was just a terrible match and City came along knowing that if they just kept possession yeah eventually United would do something stupid and, yeah. and guess what they did it twice yeah David Heitner in The Observer wrote that there were some boos at the interval and full-time from the Old Trafford crowd, although they were nothing like as sustained as those that greeted the halftime whistle against Liverpool at 4-0. So the suggestion is that the fans were not as upset as they were against Liverpool, but many of the pundits said the performance was actually worse despite the scoreline not being as bad. I'm not sure. I think both performances were dreadful. <laughs> and like, it really doesn't matter if you compare one or the other. I think, you know, on another day, City could have had five and it wouldn't have been a surprise. I, I don't think you can judge a match on that, the loudness of the booze. It was a Saturday lunchtime. A lot of people got off before the end. And actually, I think it was the flatness which was so damning, actually. That at no point did it feel like United were ever getting a hold of the game or making yeah. a fight of it. You know, that that in itself for uh, a United crowd is, is dreadful. So you're now looking forward to a must-win away at Watford after the break. Yeah. What do you think will happen in the intervening fortnight? Well, I think Ole's going to stay. And I think that in itself now is becoming a stick with which to hit the United regime with because um, there just doesn't seem to be a brain operating behind the scenes at United um, and I'm not really calling for him to be sacked because I don't know where you go if he is sacked but um, there doesn't seem to be a plan and there doesn't seem to have ever ha- been a plan for what happens where if things get this awful before Christmas I don't think Ole is going to be the manager at the beginning of next season but what do you do? Do you just write off this season and just drift to seventh, eighth until it's mathematically impossible and then chop him like you did Moyes? Nobody seems to know the answer to that. Um, no. Barney Roney in his piece on Sunday wrote that United are in a weird place. This whole process is in danger of becoming a real-time experiment. What if you just didn't sack the manager? What if you allowed <laughs> the process to carry on? Past mild underperformance into hard underperformance, into humiliation, and then, well, What? And I don't think any of us know, do we? I think it comes down to game by game. 
funny sense of irony that your next game's Watford, where they do the complete yeah. opposite. And I have to say, Watford looked good against Arsenal. I would, I, I that is not the gimme that we would have hoped it was about three weeks ago. Yeah, and then uh, soon after that, Chelsea, Arsenal. Oh yeah, um, you've got Chelsea on a Sunday. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, it doesn't get much easier to be honest. Which is, I think, another motivation behind not throwing a new man in to then just lose his first three or four matches. I do wonder if Nick witnessed history in a way when I read about the stat that the home team had more shots against their own keeper than the opposite keeper. I don't oh, know. That was ever. good, wasn't it? That was a tasty yeah. morsel. Never heard that before. That's absolutely and four shots in the opposition box at home against one of your biggest rivals it's uh, quite remarkable it was miserable all around thanks George the, uh, the, what I would say is having seen both now in, quite, in close quarters I think Liverpool will finish above City mm-hmm. and I think they will be second and third based on Chelsea although United have still got to be taken apart were by you, Chelsea were you that impressed by them I know we've talked about City, your no. performance but they've yeah really what do you make of this what do you make of the general anesthesia label? The bit, the the idea that uh, Neville was expounding, I think, was that they try to bore you into submission, just keep the ball pass sideways, just like Spain did a few years ago, so effectively. But it certainly isn't as entertaining for the rest of us, for neutrals or those interested in seeing United suffer. It's not as interesting as seeing as a team that, such as Liverpool turn up there and repeatedly get behind your defence and score goals because that just doesn't seem to be City's aim. I, I wasn't particularly impressed with them, even though they walked away comfortable winners. I yeah. think I, I don't think they will finish above Liverpool because I think Liverpool will score more goals and they really lack a cutting edge. Like It's all very well sticking it in against the worst defence for form in the country. But most teams in the Premier League are really well organised at the back and that's actually the biggest criticism of Ole is he's not been able to organise a defence that costs millions I wonder if they will address this striker issue in January and that might just change things for them but but who I know we've talked about this before who who would they even go for in the middle of a season that would make a difference but um, it's so glaringly obvious it's it's hard to fathom but, um... I think I've got a theory and I think I mentioned it last week I think Kane will go in January Spurs will have shown their strength Conte's obviously been promised money because he's not rocked up to be picking a, an 11 without splashing the cash. And I think that will suit everyone. Kane can play the Champions League. Conte gets to spend 100 million and Le- Levy doesn't look weak. I think it works. I think you're underestimating Kane's desire for that Europa Conference League trophy. So a tumultuous week for all of us then, perhaps more in your home life, George, than at Ellen Road, but certainly also for Nick travelling up to Old Trafford to see that rotten rubbish. And uh, we spoke a bit about a lack of shots on goal. There couldn't be a better segue to Goodison Park, nil-nil draw between Everton and Spurs, uh, where the BBC London radio commentators updated us at regular intervals about how many hours it had been since Spurs had registered a Premier League shot on target. We hit the post at some stage and they gleefully told us that doesn't count. So Conte is in. I can't quite believe that Ole has somehow not only kept his job, but also driven the likely replacement for his job over to us. Uh, We're very pleased to have him. I do fear that he might be a bit of a psychopath, especially when I see him uh, rabbiting up up and down the touchline. He seems to have no concept of what a technical area is. Uh, He's often found 10 to 20 metres outside it, barking at his players. So not much to report at all there. His first match in charge was on Thursday night in the Europa Conference League at home to Vitesse, where the team scored three first half goals and looked to have some sort of sharpness about them. But of course, it was only Vitesse. In the Premier League, 
the team remains entirely inert and doesn't seem to inspire any kind of confidence going forward. I suppose what you could say is the clean sheet and the solid defensive performance uh, was a positive, but that's about it. After the break, as we've indicated previously, we have Leeds coming to visit us and I'll be there and I'm very, very happy to see Conte's first league game. I'm confident, but I want to see shots on goal for sure. I want to see some sort of attacking intent. I just want to see some of that sharpness back. We talked about how there's no sharpness in Harry Kane's play, how even Son's quality has dipped with his awful corners. Skip in defensive midfield seems to be one little positive. But um, yeah, just want to see a bit more sharpness and uh, attacking intent. But Conte seemed happy enough with the performance on Sunday. So um, for now, at least, I trust in him. Joining us now, we have Will Swannell, events industry impresario and West Ham fan. He is absolutely giddy with excitement, so great to have him on as his beloved West Ham sit in third in the league. He can barely believe it. And just because I'm a really good friend, I joined him on a Europa League trip to Genk on Thursday, where the Hammers got another point in their Europa League group. They sit top with 10 points after four games. So, Will, welcome to If We Don't Do It, Sky Will. Um, I'm sure you'll be a, a frequent guest for us. Hello. Hi, yeah, good to, good to be here. And uh, that was quite a trip to Belgium, wasn't it? It was, well, I think what made it quite a trip to Belgium is that it was um, it was my first ever away trip with West Ham. Mine too. Not, <laughs> not because, yeah, not, not because I don't, I, don't, I don't enjoy going to away games, but more because we don't qualify for the business part of Europe, if you would call the Europe League <laughs> group stages the business part of Europe. Essentially, you're often busy in July. Uh, essentially, often busy in July. Not, not, often, not often past that. Uh, I still celebrate our 1999 Intertoto Cup win as, uh, as, in fact, I mean, that's what makes this, this current form so special, is that that is our greatest achievement in, in the, the 30 years that I've, uh, I've been going to West Ham and supporting the club. Yeah, so obviously I did a little bit of research before going out there with you, and uh, West Ham do have quite a proud uh, European record, but it's certainly all before we were born, isn't it? Yeah, a long time before we were born. Um, Sort of, it sort of, it sits in, it sits in folklore. So it's enough to make you think that you should be a big club, um, but sort of a generation, before, more than a generation before you started uh, started supporting the club. Yeah, I can yeah. relate to that. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure you can. And we uh, saw quite a game, really, on the pitch too, didn't we? Well, so I tell you what, we we played we played really really well second half. Uh, brought more of the first team on, and we were we were pretty incredible. And I think one thing that's that's changed is when we got a goal down. Yeah, uh, like we're, still, we're still completely in it. Still, as a fan, confident that, that we're going to get three points. And I, I don't think I, I've ever, like, ever really felt like that before. Um, Resilience. Yeah, we, like, we've never really had that. It's normally when we go a goal down, that's it. You know, it was a, it was a nice day out, uh, but but kind of that's that. Uh, and now, now it just doesn't feel it. So sort of at, at any point, I feel that we can we can win win pretty much any game, which is a it's a strange strange feeling. So let's talk about these, this run you've had recently. Surely Moyes is in line to be manager of the month. I don't know if they've already given that for October, but... Um, let's hope that he doesn't uh, follow the, the the previous manager of the month. Yeah, the, the August manager of the month, Nuno. Yes, yeah, thanks. But uh, you've dumped Man City out of the League Cup. None of us saw that because it wasn't on TV, but I assume, you know, we, we saw that City's played a really strong team and you got to penalties. And now you've beaten Liverpool in the league as well. That's four wins on the trot. 
since that last minute uh, defeat to Brentford. Four wins on the trot yeah. in the league. So the bubbles are high in the sky, but where and how does this end? I mean, I think it, it, it ends in line with the song. Uh, you know, it, they will they, they they will fade and die at some point over the next um, over the next six to whatever it is, so like six, six months or so. Yeah. Um, well, you're you're giving yourself that long. <laughs> uh, well, not not until the end of the season, I will tell you that. But I, I think we've I think we've got a chance of you know like like a league cup would would you know would, would more than sort of fulfil my expectations for, for 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 this this decade and the next in terms of trophies. Yeah, and of so, course you've got uh, Tottenham away in the next round, so that shouldn't be too hard. Surely your the cycle doesn't have to end if you do get in the Champions League, because then you have that power to keep those big players, you know, yeah. who, who might other on another season or summer go to a club with Champions League football. So that that would be the biggest achievement, right? If you could get in the Champions League, um, either by winning the Europa League or um, or finishing the top four. I think mean, I think both are, both are, f- are fairly unlikely, but I mean that that, that is the only thing that's gonna that's gonna keep this keep this going on. I mean, I, I, I've got I've got a dream, and there's there's not a game we're going into at the moment. I don't think we can win. But yeah, that that's the only thing that that will keep it. Otherwise, the squad will just be dismantled fairly mm. fairly quickly. I think not not because we don't have the money. I mean, we've we've had this Czech billionaire come in. Uh, it seems everyone's like a mate of Czech. We got we got him in, and then it's just been a just sort of a Czech deluge. But you know, all, all, all credit to him. So it's not we don't have the money, but yeah, I can't see us keeping hold of the big players without Champions League. Like Suchek, right? He's and he's Rice keeps it all together. And Rice, yeah, mm. yeah. So it's, it's, it's Suchek and Rice. Um, I know that uh, Bowen's got quite a few admirers. I mean, Liverpool have been been watching him pretty closely for now as well as, as someone who you know could could sit. You know, he's playing for Spain now. Sit very very comfortably in the Champions League. Got his, his third goal against Liverpool. So you know, players like that, I can't really see us um, keeping yeah. on walking. And we've already mentioned you got your first bit of bad news this week with Bono getting his injury. Well, it's it's always going to happen. I mean, we've we've got a lot of fixtures this season, especially with our, to be honest, sort of slightly miscalculated League Cup run, which probably won't end in trophy or just add in another half dozen games to the schedule. Uh, but yeah, he's uh, he's he's out with uh, an ACL, so that's going to be going to be a few months at least. Probably not going to be back to his best before the end of the season. I think that's how every club views the League Cup. If they don't win it, it's just an inconvenience. <laughs> yeah. How much of a downgrade is Dawson? I mean, I really like Dawson, the man. I mean, to, to come here and be be trying this hard. Um, but but I also sort of identify a bit with him as well. Uh, <laughs> I'm really, really, really bad at football and a complete lumbering centre-back in zero pace. I mean, he's he's a good character. You can see him sort of shouting and organising on the pitch, but he's, he's very slow. Is he a conduit for David Moyes? I'd, I'd say a conduit. Well, I mean, I, he's not he's that much, not that much more able in body, to be honest. I mean... <laughs> He, it's it's it's, def- it's definitely a big a big downgrade. He like he is he is good in the air, danger from corners, and they they've been a big thing for us. Mm. Just on the subject of Moyes, this strange story of him having been there for a spell before and having been let go in favour of Pellegrini. What was the fans' view of his of um, Moyes' departure first time round? I think I think we've been sold a pipe dream by Golden Sullivan that we were that there was you know it was going to be lots of money and we're going to get a, you know, like a, a fancy new manager and we you know we could we could do better than David Moyes who you know at, at the time had just come off a, a pretty sort of torrid stint at uh, Sunderland yeah Sunderland actually yeah mm. so he he wasn't um, you know, he wasn't viewed as the as the best choice so I don't think anyone was too sorry to see him leave I think a lot of people thought that he'd earned earned the right for another season. 
Yeah, but nobody was nobody was crying when he when he got replaced. And when he came uh, back, were people underwhelmed? Uh, I I personally was yeah I was pretty underwhelmed. Looking back, I was a complete idiot. Um, <laughs> I, I also remember being being quite vocal in, in disagreement at his first few signings. Yeah, and was proved completely wrong on all of them. Uh, and now he is uh, you know he's he's the Moisai. He's he's great. And to to be fair, like he has. The Moisaia. You like you look at the players that he's he's brought in, and none of them have sort of come from somewhere where they've just sort of transferred their, their existing form on. They've all come and had to work into the team. You've seen them get better week in week out. Every single player has improved under him. Yeah. Uh, whether that's him or the coaching team, whatever's happening at the moment, it's 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 working. So after the international break, you're away at Wolves, and you said there's no team that you can't beat at the moment. Is that the kind of game where you slip up? It, it could be. I mean, Wolves are the other team in the Prem who are who are great at set pieces this season. Yeah, uh, I think we're think 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 we're joint top on that. So I, I can see us I can see us coming undone. But you know, player player for player at the moment, we're we're, we're just better than them. So we I think we could win. Um, although look, like looking at our defeats or draws this season, they've all been late, late, late goals. Yes, indeed, all, like, all of them. And so I, I wouldn't be surprised if we if we conceded a late one to to, to draw or lose. Now, moving on to the weekend's other action, did you catch Arsenal cheating their way to another home win? I did see that, yes. They're getting quite close to us, um, which I'm not, not not a huge fan of. I, I was kind of hoping that everyone would drop off and that the fourth place would be uh, like a little bit more left alone. Yeah, their run of eight games without loss puts them now on 20 points, three below you. But I can happily say that their next game is at Anfield. So we all know that their uh, periodical comeuppance is not far away. Yeah, well, that's good. And, to, and like Liverpool, I, I know we just uh, we just edged them, but they, they, they played well as well. No, I think they're they're so much stronger than Arsenal, and we will have the usual uh, Guna hand wringing on Sky that Saturday afternoon, won't we? Yeah. But uh, George, did you see uh, did you see the state of that decision against Watford? The two fouls. Yeah, even with all the technology now, it's hard to hard to. Well, took took us back to a time without this technology, didn't mm, it? The nineteen ninety nine FA Cup at Highbury. Do you all remember this? Steve Bruce's Sheffield United. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, he always had them walk off, didn't he? They were lucky that it was Ranieri and not one of the bullshit managers, I have to say. Yeah, no, The uh, in that case, back in 1999, this was uh, unprecedented that the two teams agreed that the result should be void and the cup tie was replayed because essentially, if you haven't seen it, look up uh, Arsenal-Sheffield United controversial goal on YouTube, you'll see it. And uh, the Gooners blamed it all on Kanu and uh, communication issues that he didn't understand what uh, what they were supposed to do, but... It does seem to happen again and again. Which, in hindsight, by the way, is an absolute shocker. To just blame it on your new Nigerian. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Thank you. So, yeah, the Arsenal have uh, Liverpool next. So that would please me if I was a Liverpool fan too, to see that as my next home game. Now, about the two sackings that have occurred over this weekend at Norwich and at Villa, somebody made the call to say that Villa were flying on this pod a few weeks ago. Five straight defeats have resulted in Dean Smith being dismissed. I've looked into his record over these uh, couple of seasons at Villa and I can't understand why he was held in such high regard. Well, he took over them when they were mid to lower table in the championship and got them promoted. So he he got them up, I can see that. That's fantastic. But then in his first Premier League season, they just stay up 17th. In his second season, they have a strong start that gets him a lot of credit and that 7-2 win over Liverpool. But essentially, other than that, a lot of defeats everywhere you look. 
And I've not seen a mid-season manager sacking followed immediately by a five-minute emotional goodbye video. That usually <laughs> happens when a manager reti- uh, retires yeah. or resigns. I didn't um, see that. Yeah, they, they posted it at the same time they said he'd been relieved of his duties. So thanks, Dean. See you later. Also, 11 games into the season, that's a quarter of Premier League managers sacked. Yes. I don't know if that's happened. Five have gone, yeah. yeah. Ruthless. It was a ruthless week. I think three of the five were in one week. Certainly um, ruthless for poor old Daniel Farker, who got his first win. Yeah. Just on, on last thing on Villa, though, they lost their best player by a mile in, in Grealish and yeah. tried to reinvest the money in sensible players, which I believe they did, not really giving him that much time to make things work with that new team without their talisman. Um, but that's what I was going to say. That he's had a lot of money. He spent a lot of money mm-hmm. when they came up and finished 17th with that. And uh, each year they've made lots of new signings. Mm-hmm. They've lost Grealish, but OK, you can also look at it as what did you do while you had him? It's a fair point. Yeah, I th- I, th- I dread to think what would happen to them as a club if they got relegated that season, given the money they spent. It just seems it just seems a bit rash. I think he benefited from the eternal romanticism of football. Being a, a Villa fan himself, he avoided yes. the, the spotlight. And also, I think because he's English, yeah, I, I think that uh, foreign managers' performance there would not have been seen in the same light. Now, looking at uh, Crystal Palace, we've praised them quite a bit in the last couple of weeks. And uh, the two players that we praised last week scored again, Gallagher and Zaha. They beat an in-form Wolves team. Palace are now up to 10th, 15 points, but they are six games without loss since they were beaten at Anfield. Uh, They're looking good and they've got Burnley, Aston Villa and Leeds coming up. So all easy games, George. Yeah, very much so. Um, they're They're like a new club. I think they had, if I remember rightly, in summer, 12 players out of contract and yeah. obviously a new manager. They're just a completely new animal. And like I've said before, I just really like the way they play. They're attacking. They, they play all their attackers at the same time. So I'm not surprised to finally see them winning more games. And yeah, that'd be a really, that'd be a really difficult game. Um, I actually thought they'd be relegation candidates, but it does not look in that way at all at the moment. Now, the live game on Saturday afternoon was Brighton at home to the club formerly known as Newcastle United. Who saw how Sports Direct FC dealt with having Lewis Dunk in the oppositional goal in the last few minutes? Oh, I I didn't, but I've read about this. A refusal to take a shot on target. Yeah, I mean, the nation is turning on when they've seen on Twitter that uh, Lewis Dunk has got in goal with his luminous yellow goalkeeper's kit put on over his blue and white shirt. And uh, it's, it's one of those romantic moments of football when it just all looks very unprofessional and you just want to see him challenged. I remember um, Harry Kane going in goal in the Europa League a few years ago. Nick, I'm sure you remember when John O'Shea went in goal at White it's Hart Lane. the best thing about football. We all Nothing want to see this. An and outfield we all want, player in goal. <laughs> and we all want to see that centre-back or whoever it may be being challenged. And uh, John Joe Shelby has a free kick that he should put in the proverbial mixer and somebody, or, or just have a shot directly, he does neither of those things and just uh, plays it out wide and then the chances snuffled out. It was it was unbelievable. It was corners as well. Sure, you'd, you'd float a couple of corners yeah. to see what happens, but they didn't, the two corners I saw, they didn't even beat the first man. <laughs> it's just unbelievable. So Eddie Howe was there to see his new charges 
uh, although he wasn't in charge as such. They still haven't won. They're on minus 12 goal difference. They're at, they're down there on five points. He's got a lot of work to do, hasn't he? The nation is surely rooting for them to go down. If you're not a Geordie. <laughs> or a Saudi. Or a Saudi, yeah. <laughs> so they've got Brentford. Come on, you bees. After the break. And the bees need to bounce back, don't they? So that'll be interesting. They're, they're in terrible form. Four, yeah, four defeats, ironically, after beating West Ham, which no one else seems to be able to do. Right, so just a quick word about the week in Europe last week. We've talked a lot about the Europa League and uh, the Europa Conference League. We must never forget. Uh, But in the Champions League, we had Atalanta United 2-2. Nick, all I want to say about this really is that Jonathan New in The Guardian tweeted his match report with the words, just another night following the world's stupidest football team. It's just a lot of fun in Europe this year. (laughs) Far rather that than Louis van Gaal and uh, the Jose Mourinho stuff. Yeah, well, it was another great game and uh, another salvation moment from Ronaldo. It means uh, United are much more likely to go through now, doesn't it? Yeah, but, I think in the context of the group games, it was massive. But then we have to ask to what end? Well, you ask the Glazers how much in the last 16 knockout round against Bayern Munich is worth to them. Right, yeah. Terrible PR, I'd suggest. Yeah, And we talked about the great Ajax performance at home to Dortmund a few weeks ago. They were away at Dortmund last Wednesday. They went 1-0 down. They weren't really showing that same quality that we expected from them. Still ran out 3-1 winners, though. So up there with uh, four wins from four. Very, very impressive team. And more and more people talking about uh, the manager. Yeah, whoever ends up with him is in for a treat, I think. I think he's the popular choice now amongst most United fans. There's no danger of him coming any time before May. If at all. Yeah. Yeah, so uh, we're going into an international break, which is a break for us too. We'll be back after that summit meeting between George and myself, Spurs versus Leeds on Super Sunday. Man United will have been to Watford in that all-important clash between Solskjaer and Ranieri and West Ham uh, away at Wolves, probably with another wonderful away win to report. So uh, thank you all for being on this week. Have a lovely international break doing whatever it is you do and we'll speak again. Thank you. Thank you. Bye.